Well, I don't know about you, but I kind of like this time of year. I like, you know, starting off a new year and you kind of, you look back on the past year. Some of us had rough years and we're like, hey, 2014 done. I'm ready for a new year. Some of us had great years. Like, we're going to keep it going. And uh, so what I'd like to do this morning is talk a little bit about how we live out God's purpose in our life. And I read a study not too long ago, and I don't know how they did it, uh, but it was on the internet, so it must be true. And I read this study that they did a study on how a batch of paper clips get used, all right? So they did a study on how a typical batch of 100,000 paper clips get used. And this is what the Lloyds Bank of London found out. They said that of a typical batch, 100,000, 5,308 are used to clean under your fingernails. 7,200 were used as hooks for belts, suspenders, or bras. 54,023 were used to pick your teeth or scratch your ears. 14,163 were snapped, broken, or twisted during phone conversations. 19,143 became mock card game chips. And of the original 100,000 paper clips produced, only 20,000 were actually used to hold paper together. A small minority of the paper clips were actually used for the purpose they were designed and created for. And so my question to us this morning is, This coming year, are we going to live our life the way God designed and created it to live? Are we going to live for the purpose that God created us for this year? And to help us understand that, I want to look at a few verses. And I want to look at verses that tend to be some of my favorite. You know, this first one we're going to look at is one of those that I, if you come on Sunday nights, you hear me talk about it all the time. I may have talked about it on Sunday morning before because it's one of my favorites, but I think it's a very important point for us asking ourselves the question, are we going to live out God's purpose? Because if we're honest, if we look back at last year, and if we just look at our life in general, we probably would have to say, I don't live out God's purposes in my life as much as I would like. I just don't do it as much as I want to or as much as I think I should. And so the first thing that we have to understand is in in Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10 has the first verse we're going to look at, and it says this. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The first thing we got to understand if we're going to live God's purpose for our life is that God has a plan for us. Every single one of us, God has a plan for. Sometimes we often think, well, you know, I'm too old or too young. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough time. I'm too short. I'm too tall. Whatever it is, we often think, well, you know, God probably has a plan for someone else. When I was thinking about this, I realized, just think, how many times do you're like, well, yeah, somebody else should do that. Right? Somebody else should step up and do that. God probably has that plan for someone else. But what this verse tells us, is that every single one of us, no matter who we are, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, every single one of us, God has a plan for us. It says it right there, right? We were God's handiwork. God created us. God designed each and every one of us. And he has good things that he wants us to do. This coming year, the question isn't, well, 
maybe if, you know, God might, you know, do something in my life, maybe, you know, that, that's not what this says. God has a plan. And it starts with us knowing, knowing that he has a plan for us, for you, for me, every one of us. There's a specific plan. There are things that God is planning for us to do. And the question is, are we going to do them? Now, when it comes to this, and even if we kind of understand, yeah, God has a plan, oftentimes we don't live it out. And and that leads me, I'm kind of a cynical guy by nature. And that leads me to go, well, why not? Most of us don't start the year going, I'm going to do exactly the opposite of what God wants. I'm going to have just a, just a stressed out, grumpy year this year. That's my plan for this year. And most of us, that doesn't happen. And yet, somehow, we get distracted and drift away from what God's plan is for our lives. And so my question was, why does that happen? And that leads me to another verse. But before I get there, I need to say that this verse has been one of the more influential in the last, say, five to ten years of my life. And the reason is because it goes against one of the things that we often say to each other. It goes against a phrase that we use in our culture. You may have said it to yourself. You may have said it to someone else. And it's not necessarily a bad phrase, but there is an unintended consequence that happens when we have this mentality. And I think it keeps us from living God's plan or purpose for our life. The phrase that we sometimes say to each other is we say, hey, go be yourself. And I think ultimately to live out God's purposes, we're going to have to say, don't be yourself. Now stick with me for a second. Let's read this verse. This is Galatians chapter 5, 17 and 18. Galatians 5, 17 and 18 said, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Right? Now, I said, we often use this phrase, hey, be yourself, and we use it for some good reasons, right? We use it because sometimes we're overly concerned what other people think, and we like to project that we're like the perfect people, and so we kind of project and pretend that we're better than we are, and we post the best pictures that we have of ourselves and our families on the internet, and and so I understand, and so we say, be yourself, to just, hey, be authentic, you don't have to pretend to be better than you are, and that's good, but the problem is, oftentimes this idea of be yourself comes with this idea of, I'm going to just be myself and do what I want to do. But the problem is this verse, and actually the Bible in general, over and over again, tells us that's the exact opposite of what it takes to live out God's purposes. We saw in this verse, it says, hey, your flesh, which basically means our, just our natural tendency, our natural, our human nature, our human nature usually leads us in a selfish direction. And that's why this verse says, hey, this, 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 this flesh is in conflict with the spirit, so don't do what you want. And we know this. We know this from looking at our kids. I don't know that I've ever heard anyone go up to their kids and say, hey, hey, little Billy, you need to be selfish. You need to grab your toys from other kids. If some kid comes and takes your toys, just slap them, right? We don't tell our kids that. Why? They do that naturally. They do. You don't have to tell your kid, hey, be selfish with your toys. They just do that. It's innate in who they are. And the truth is, it doesn't really change as we get older. Our human tendency is to be selfish. So ultimately, if we want to live out God's purpose for our life, we can't just be ourselves. We have to be who God created us to be. Many times when you look in the Bible and people that are living out God's purpose for their life, they're asked to do things that are risky, are uncomfortable, 
most of the time they have to use their time and their money in a way that helps other people and actually is harder for themselves. If our natural tendency, if our human nature, if our sinful nature is to go in the wrong direction and we just say, hey, just be yourself, ultimately, we are not going to live out God's purpose for our lives. And that's why this has been one of the most powerful verses and ideas for me. It's helped me be a little bit better as a parent, as a father, as a friend. It's helped me like because I understand like when I go into the day, it's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to do what's not best for me, but what's best for other people. It is one of the most common tenets throughout the Bible that we should do what's better for other people than ourselves. So first, we need to know that God has a plan for each and every one of us. He's got a plan for things for us to do this year, and those plans will most often involve sacrificing of ourselves for other people. Which leads to the third verse. Philippians 3, 12 to 14 says this. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. One thing I do, forgetting what's behind, straining toward what's ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now this verse is about being very intentional, about leaving the things behind that were keeping us from living out God's purposes and pressing forward, moving forward. Most of the time, I might be willing to say all of the time, you don't accidentally fall into living out who God created you to be. Right, we just said the exact opposite. Our our tendency is to lead us away from God. So you don't accidentally just kind of fall into living for God's purposes. In fact, sometimes we kind of say things, you know, I'm just going to go with the flow. I'm just going to take it moment by moment. And there may be good reasons we say that. But ultimately, if our flow, if our natural tendency is away from God, if we just kind of go with the flow, our flow is going to take us away from living out God's purposes for our life. I've got a bunch of kids in my house, and three of them are uh, learning musical instruments. That means at any given time, you could hear a clarinet, a flute, or a viola, or all of them at the same time at different ear-piercing levels. And my kids are supposed to practice these musical instruments every day. That's what they're supposed to do. Every day they're supposed to practice. And uh, to be honest, uh, there are some that are better at practicing than others. And there is a direct correlation to how much they practice and how annoying the instrument sounds, right? It's just direct. The more you practice, the better it sounds. The less you practice, the more annoying it is. They're not in this service, so, you know, when you see them, tell them they're doing great, they play great, you know, all those things. But there's a direct relationship between how much you practice. You don't get better at playing a musical instrument just by kind of sitting it there and looking at it and, you know, thinking about it. You get better by being intentional with your life. And it's the same in our lives, right? You don't accidentally fall into living out God's purpose for your life. You have to be intentional about making decisions that lead you in that direction. Which leads me to a point that sometimes when you kind of the pastor says it from up on the big stage can sound self-serving or a little scolding. It's not meant to be, but it really is true. And that is that if we are going to live out God's purpose for our life, ultimately, it's really essential to be connected to our church. 
It really is, because the church is the institution designed by God to help us do that. That's our purpose. That's what we're about. We're about helping each and every person live out their purpose for their life. And to be honest, before I worked at the church and, you know, I got paid to be here, uh, there were times when I didn't attend as regularly as, say, I do now. And I often had this excuse that I would use, and I've heard people use it many, many times, and the excuse is basically, well, I can be spiritual on my own. I can, be, I can grow in my relationship on my own. I can do these things on my own. And in theory, it's a good idea. But in practice, I've never seen it work. I really never have. I've never seen it in my own life. I've found that when I kind of separate away from the church and this community of people, that the purpose of all of us is to help each other live God's purpose for our lives. When I separate myself from that, I just, I don't really think about God as much. I do other things and, and I get distracted. And the truth is, the church is essential for us doing this. So I would encourage you, when you think about this year, to make a priority. To make a priority to attending here, to getting involved in some of the things that Jeremy announced. If you don't know what they are, stop by that giant Next Steps booth. You can't miss it, all right? Go in there and talk to them about community groups or starting point. Go to 101 this afternoon, you know, because it really is essential to us living out God's purpose in our lives. But it's much broader than just our church, too. It's really about every moment of our life. It's about asking ourselves when we wake up in the morning, hey, what do I need to do today to be a part of God's purpose for my life. I mentioned I got a bunch of kids, and uh, I, I have five kids between the ages of first grade and seventh grade. And so this past week was the first week of getting back into the swing of things. You had Christmas break, you had New Year's, no school, all those things. You got back into the swing of things. And, and as I was preparing this talk, I realized that a kid's life is completely focused on growing and developing who they are. Right? They go to school and they learn and they learn science and math and reading, all these different things. And then they go to different sports and they learn how to do that. And they go to different lessons and they learn how to do these things. And their entire life is about growing and moving forward and developing. And we talk to them a lot about their future and what they're going to do. And then as we get to be an adult, we often think very differently. For some reason, we decide that when we get to be adult, then our goal is simply just kind of make it through the next day to make it through work, to make it through our family obligations, watch a little TV, go to bed, get up the next morning, and do it again. And what happens as an adult is we kind of stagnate. We stop moving forward. And what this verse says is the goal is we need to continue to press on and move forward. And if we don't, we end up moving back. There really is no standing still. There's moving forward towards living out God's purpose or kind of going with the flow that leads you away. And that's why so many of us, when we get to a certain age or whatever it is, we kind of take a step back and look at our lives and we go, there's got to be something more. Doesn't there? There's got to be something more than just kind of this stuff that I'm doing every single day. And that's, that more is living out God's purpose for our lives. And so I want to do something. I want to give us a little bit of homework, all right? You know, I talked about my kids. I want to give you a little homework this week, all right? And homework is sometimes a bad thing, uh, but it usually helps you move forward, all right? And all I'm going to do is ask you three questions. And I want to encourage you to actually take these questions, take them home, and discuss them. If you're married, discuss them with your spouse. If you have kids that are in middle school or high school or older, discuss them with your kids. I guarantee you, 
Your kids want to be a part of a family that's doing something in this world. That's what they want. They want you to talk about this. They may not talk much when you do it, but it's worth having this conversation. So I want you to ask yourself three questions as we move forward. And they are relatively simple questions, but when you take time to think about them, they're quite profound. The first question is, in order to be a part of God's purposes, what do I need to stop doing? What do I need to stop doing to be a part of God's purpose, to live out God's purpose in my life? For me, this was by far the hardest question. I've got all kinds of crazy things going on, and and the question was, what do I need to stop doing? Andy Stanley is a, uh, is a pastor down in Atlanta, and he, uh, he did actually did a series of talks on a concept called breathing room. And it, the question was, hey, do you have breathing room in your life? And he defined it as breathing room as the uh, space between what your pace of life is and your limit. And if we are living at or beyond our limit, we don't have any breathing room. And if we don't have any breathing room, we, we have a hard time living out God's purpose in our life. And there's other consequences. We get more stressed out. There's so many things going on that we can never do any of them well and we feel bad about what we're doing and and so we're so stressed out about all these things going on. And in addition to that, when we have all these things going on and we're living at or beyond our limit, our focus narrows. And we have a hard time maybe even concentrating on the things that we need to do and because we, we are so focused on these things. If we have no breathing room in our finances, if we are living at or beyond our limit in our finances, we are so focused on that, it's hard to really do anything else or focus on anything else and our relationships suffer. When I'm standing here on the stage, there's like this big edge up here. And when I'm standing back here, I I really don't notice this edge at all. As I walk up to the edge of the stage, my focus changes. Your focus changes too. You you get a little concerned here in the front row. But I am now rather concerned about following off the edge. When I was back there, I was not concerned. It's a little bit hard to kind of go on. If I were to just go on with my talk while standing here, that would be very scary. And, And it's like that. In life, when we have no breathing room, when we're living at or beyond our limit, and so one of the most important questions many of us need to ask ourselves is, what do I need to stop doing? Now, the next question is the same question, only the opposite, and that is, what do I need to start doing? Now, some of us are, are so busy, we need to stop doing some things and start doing other things, but there's also an entire different category of person. There is a person who has capacity to do more. There is a person who the highlight of their weekend is doing laundry, right? There is a person who may be retired or underemployed or just has some extra time, has some extra finances, has some things where they can actually be doing more for God. And the question they need to be asking very deeply is, what do I need to start doing? It's interesting. There's a group of guys on Wednesday all, actually, all day Wednesday. And a number of them are retired. A number of them are, they have a little bit of capacity. And so they get together every Wednesday and they go do stuff. They will go uh, help out at somebody's house who needs it. They'll go, they'll go somewhere. Do you know what they were doing this week? You don't know, except there's some of you in the service that were there. But other than that, what they were doing this Wednesday was they were in this room. And they had irons and little paper towels. And they were going around and cleaning up all the uh, wax from uh, our Christmas Eve services. Wax filled everywhere and it was every. And so this group of guys, this group of guys were in here serving us. Really serving us so that we could be here in a beautiful, clean environment. And I don't know, you know, sometimes you ask, well, what should I do? I don't know, we could stop. We could just stop right now 
and go person by person and, you know, share what we need to do. It might be the best thing we did today, but there is another service coming, so we probably shouldn't do that. You know, so I don't know exactly what you should be doing, but I can give you a category. And the category is, I guarantee you that what you should start doing is something that serves other people. Something that helps other people rather than yourselves. Over and over again, that's what we see in the Bible. That's what people are doing. And so the question we need to be asking ourselves is what do we need to stop doing? What do we need to start doing? If we are not intentional in doing things that lead us to living out God's purposes, a natural flow is gonna take us away. And finally, the last question is, if you were to look at your life, what aspect of your character should you grow in? I like this verse, Colossians 3, 12 through 15. Paul writes, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. This is kind of Paul's New Year's resolutions. And what's interesting is it's a very different category. Most of our resolutions are things that help ourselves. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to exercise. Things that are kind of, you know, good things, but they're focused on ourselves. All of these things, Paul has focused on other people. And I I love to think, what would happen if we spent an entire year focusing on developing compassion, actually genuinely caring for my neighbors, my coworkers, my family, caring what happens in their lives, what's going on, spending some time with them. What would happen if we spent a year developing that? One of my favorite quotes is that we often overestimate what we can do in a week and underestimate what we can do in a year. I think statistics say that most New Year's resolutions, like people have given them up by two weeks to a month, right? We're almost hitting that two-week part. And the reason is we think, hey, I'm gonna change everything in two weeks. What if... We said, you know what? Over time, if I focus on growing in patience, by the end of this year, I may not snap my family or kids or coworkers as much as I usually do. What would happen if we made these a focus of what we are going to do this year? Now, I mentioned these study on paperclips. And I didn't actually tell you the largest category. Right, I told you 5,000 some whole number were used to like pick your ears. And I didn't tell you that the largest category, 25,000 of the original 100,000 paper clips were simply thrown away, swept up off the floor. The largest category were simply wasted. And the truth is we have a choice this year when it comes to our lives. We have a choice of whether we are going to be living out are created, designed, purposed by God or not. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking throughout the course of this day, I'll have the privilege of of speaking to nearly 1,500 people, which is a good amount. And And I was thinking, what would happen if every single one of those person made the commitment that I am going to live out God's purpose for my life? I'm going to grow in compassion and joy. I'm going to stop doing things that kind of distract me and and start doing things that really are living out God's purpose. What would happen if we did? What would happen to all those families? What would happen to those workplaces? What would happen to those communities, in those cities? 
I know what would happen. What would happen if we did that is we would be living out God's purpose for our life. 